I'm Tennille. And I'm Kelsey. And we're financial advisors from Allman Partners True Wealth, bringing you thought-provoking conversations around you, your money and your life on the Wealth Experience Podcast. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're going to be answering a number one question that we get a lot, particularly from young starting investors that ask us, what's our hot tip? What should we be investing in? Our answer is always that we don't recommend single stocks and attempt to start explaining why. And the response after doing so is often, okay, I understand, but what stock do you think is going to make us money? If you're tuning in today for a hot tip, you've picked the wrong podcast. One of my favorite quotes is, if investing is entertaining, if you're having fun, you're probably not making any money. Good investing is boring. And this is by George Soros, a businessman and philanthropist. Again, I'm very bad with last names, so if that's not how it's pronounced, my apologies. (laughs) But we're not going to be telling you what stock to pick today, but we are going to be telling you what you should invest in. All right, Tanil, so if you're not going to be talking about which of the hot stocks, what are you suggesting people invest in? Yes, very good. Well, first of all, you. Okay. The very first thing that we like to teach people is that you are your biggest financial asset that you'll you'll ever likely have. Um, and the reason that I say, say that is if we think about it this way, um, I take someone who's maybe 25 years old as perhaps they've landed in the career that they might want to stay in until they reach their superannuation access age of 60. So again, just for example sake, saying they've got 35 years to to, to work and earn an income. Um, if they're earning $50,000 a year and every year we're going to increase that with inflation at 3%, um, ignoring everything else. So let's ignore bonuses, ignore promotions, all of that. By age 60, they've earned over $3 million. And that's quite a conservative salary these days, right? So if you take someone earning maybe $150,000, perhaps they've just finished their degree, um, their lifetime earnings are closer to $9.5 million. And so therefore, you know, you're, you are a financial asset. The best thing that you can do is invest into yourself. Mm. And I actually talk about this to my clients to know that, you know, if you had a money tree in your back, in your backyard, would you just ignore it and hope for the best? And no, you, you probably wouldn't. You would fertilize it, you would, you'd water it and, and prune it and make sure that, you know, when the storm's coming, it's got its shelter as well, because um, this plant is producing money bills and it's, it's a fruit. So imagine that you are that tree yourself. What can you invest in for you and increase your earnings potential to, to grow? And, you know, that's things like your education and that might be going to get a degree or diploma or certificate or, or tickets, being in, in a mine in town. Um, and there's, you know, upskill where possible. There's lots of courses that you, c- you can do. Take opportunities. So you know, networking is always a, a really good one. Um, sometimes it's not about what you know, but who you know too. Um, and ownership is, is another one to really be able to grow um, your tree. And that might be by starting a business and, and employing other people too. Yeah, exactly right, Carlson. So if we think about this, let's assume that you are investing in yourself. Um, when we speak with our clients a lot, we're talking about these three circles in their life. Uh, the first circle that we that we need to focus on is your lifestyle. Now, in that circle, you've it, it's about things like your loved ones and spending time with them, going on holidays, you know, buying the car that that you want or the house you want, maybe some caravans, boats, toys, all of those different things. Now, 
these are the things that um, you might intrinsically uh, relate some some happiness and some success to. Uh, but all of that takes money to achieve it. Um, you, typically, what we do is when we talk about that lifestyle circle is to articulate what is on our clients dream board or what's on our personal dream board. So, you know, for, for myself, my dream board consists of uh, being able to go on family holidays. So this year we went to, to Perisher and we had a nice snow holiday together. Um, my dream board has an, a house upgrade on it. Although Kels, I don't know how many times I've gone backwards and forwards on this decision <laughs> of a house upgrade versus renovating. <laughs> Maybe one day I'll come up and with this something. this day is just going to be another 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's still on the dream board, but yeah, you're right. It might be a bit of time. Um, yeah, so anytime I love once the house upgrade um, and just being a little bit more in the moment, which I think we've spoken about as, as well too. But all of those things... Um, they take money to achieve. And I guess the beautiful thing about that lifestyle circle is that it's it's what brings people together and it's often indicators of their own success. Um, the problem is to keep that lifestyle circle afloat though, you have to rely on the other two circles. So we're talking about there's three circles. Now I've got two more. Um, what's the second one? So the second one is you bringing it back to you. Your ability to earn an income and, and you know, from working, for example, is the first thing that actually puts money into your capital, into your, sorry, lifestyle circle. Um, so, you know, back to investing in yourself. Um, now, that income doesn't always continue though. So the third circle is what most people will come and seek out financial advice about firstly. Um, and this is what most of our listeners have clicked the, the, the listen button for today. Um, so circle three is what we call the capital circle. Um, we'd like to show this as a separate circle as at some point inevitably that that income um, will turn off into the U circle um, and therefore that might be from things like, you know, I've, I've, I've made a choice, so I'm retiring, I'm having a sabbatical, I'm starting a family, or it might be from something that's forced upon you, so a sickness or an injury of you or a loved one. Um, and when we talk about now investing in our capital circle, people typically jump to shares. Kels, do you, uh, do you want to talk about why you think that might be? Well, we've spoken a lot before about how the education system has let down um, Australians in the financial literacy area. And I'm reminded of an example when we're discussing, um, that we were discussing the other week, one of the advisors in our office was saying that his daughter um, is in high school and just had a topic on investing. And the assignment is for the student to pick a stock or a couple of stocks and provide their reasoning for picking that stock. And at the end of the assignment, the hope is that the stock had performed the best. Now, this sounds, this sounds like a game, um, and it's a game of chance. Um, but the advisor asked their daughter why they had picked a stock. And she said, hmm, I don't know. I just looked at the ASX, and the stock had green beside it. <laughs> I thought, green is good, so I'll pick that one. And I think the advisor just fell out of his chair and said, so your theory is this stock is already more expensive today than it was yesterday, so you should buy it. <laughs> so regardless, we, we strongly prescribe to this theory, which is which is well proven that diversification is what reduces the risk. And yet this, this subject is effectively teaching um, our children to gamble and randomly select 
stocks. Yeah, that's right. And this is that whole financial literacy area. It becomes so hard. So um, what we want to articulate here is that when we're investing, uh, stocks are not our only option. What we should be investing into, our, uh, you know, when we're in our capital circle, what should we be investing into? Um, so when we talk about capital, we're referring to an investment that has the ability to provide you with a future income stream to replace your earned income, right? So that could be either investments personally held, they could be investments held in an entity, so something like a company or a trust um, or investments held in your super fund or a combination of all of these things. Um, when we're talking about where to invest, we first of all have to step back again now and say, well, how do I get money into that capital circle firstly? Um, and really, we say there's just two ways of doing that. I can either save or I can borrow, um, obviously with limitations to superannuation when we're talking about borrowing. But saving and borrowing, there are two ways of streaming money from our situation into our capital circle. Uh, so, Kels, what do you usually suggest that an investor borrows, you know, how, when do you suggest that, that they might borrow money to invest? Yeah, because it's not a right fit for, for everybody. So, usually um, it is a fit when they have a particular goal in mind and that goal has a long-term investment horizon, um, but they won't be able to actually get to their goal through just savings alone. Um, you know, they might want to accelerate the speed at which that they, they can get there. So now the risk with borrowing, of course, is that whilst you have the upside benefits, you've got more money sooner that's working hard for you um, and, and compounding as well. When the markets fall, um, you have a larger amount of capital, which can increase the amount that it has actually fallen in value by too. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. So that downside risk there at play. Absolutely. Um, so if I'm assuming now that I've made a decision I've, to invest in my capital circle, I've built those funds up, now now where do I buy, right? So we talk about being three high-level asset classes that we speak to investors about, and those are cash, property, and shares. What we don't, what we're not talking about here is buying single or a few stocks, so limiting diversification. We're not talking about those other non-traditional asset classes, so things like unlisted property, um, unlisted shares, cryptocurrencies. We're not talking about commodities. Um, and I guess a common question we get is, is why not? Um, so the reason we talk about these three asset classes really strongly, cash, property, shares, is because some of these other areas, they don't have the same level of diversification, which we know is a key to success in an investment experience. Um, and they don't have some of the characteristics that I should expect when I'm investing into either shares, property or cash-based asset classes, which are income and growth. So if I'm, if I'm talking about an investment I expect that it's going to have one or both of these factors being income and growth. So for example, in shares, the income side of that would be dividends and uh, the growth would be the fact that they're listed on, on a stock exchange and they have the ability to increase or decrease on a minute to minute basis. Uh, for property, we might be talking about rent if, it's, um, if it was direct property, but more so in a diversified portfolio those property holdings may be just producing new dividends or distributions. Um, and again, it has a propensity to grow because it, the asset values will in increase over the over the long term, um, increase and decrease in short periods of time. And for cash, it's mainly an income producing asset only. So a defensive asset like that, we're just expecting things like interest. 
And people may choose to invest into those non-traditional assets, but if you're talking about your core capital, the best way to invest that is in the correct asset allocation. And asset allocation simply means how much in cash, how much in property and how much in shares at, at the high level. Um, and the reason that we talk about investing into those those areas and getting that asset allocation correct is because you know evidence shows us that 94% of returns actually come from that decision alone then it's about using those key principles of time in markets and diversification to limit your risk and give you the the you know the highest likelihood that having about having those sufficient assets you know in your capital circle to meet your important goals um, from your lifestyle circle I think it's really great information, Tanil, and hopefully all of our listeners um, aren't going away from this and investing in individual stocks and you're equipped with all the information to um, build your, your capital circle in, in, a, in a smart way. Um, so if you have enjoyed today's segment, please don't forget to subscribe, like and share all of our content. Um, we're also open to um, what you would like to hear more about. So reach out to us through our website, allman.com.au, if there's anything at all that you want us to cover. And we'll see you next time. The opinions of the presenters are objectively ascertainable and are not intended to be financial product or personal advice.